Hello, everyone. Welcome back or welcome to Pop Cult X, your go to. Yeah, sure. Why not? Your go to for all things pop culture from a Gen X point of view. My name is Daniel and along with Gabe, we're here every week to talk pop culture items with you. Um, this is episode 74 for those keeping count. 74. Wow. We're almost to 100. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. If you think about it, I mean, you do one a week. That's that's pretty good. I, so we appreciate everyone out there listening and watching and, and hopefully enjoying the show. It makes us want to keep coming back and doing it again and again. Yeah. Um, now, we will be continuing in this episode our part two of Latino excellence. Um, but that's before we get into that there, of course, we always like to talk about what's relevant in pop culture and what's like the hot trendy topics right now. And I don't think anything could be hotter or spicier, I think, than Gabe's first topic, maybe a little tastier, maybe a little um, dietary regime, I guess you would call it. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> um, that's a great intro but uh, or lead in. But right now, everyone is talking about uh, Monster, the De Jeffrey Dahmer story on Netflix. Um, that is brought by, onto the screen, uh, the small screen, by Ryan Murphy, who does all the American Horror mm -hmm. Story stuff. Um, he's done like some real life, like the crime, crime stuff. stuff. Yeah, Versace, uh, O.J. Simpson trials. So it's to, to start off with. It's an amazing cast. They have Evan Peters playing Jeffrey Dahmer. Niecy Nash plays Glenda Cleveland. Who I'm going to get into that character. Um, I was really surprised to see Molly Ringwald. She plays Jeffrey Dahmer's uh, stepmother. And then Richard Jenkins plays his father, uh, Lionel Dahmer, and Penelope Ann Miller, who's a really prolific actress. Um, you probably would recognize her from some of the other stuff she's done, plays his mom, Joyce Dahmer. Uh, really great cast, again. So to begin with, let me say that I'm not a, someone who watches a lot of like serial killer type of stuff. Like that's not really my thing. I, I I think I have like a casual person's knowledge of serial killer, like the pop culture. Mm -hmm. You know, I know who Charles Manson was or, mm -hmm. uh, you know, Jeffrey Dahmer, um, who's Gacy. someone else? Uh, John Wayne Gacy, yeah. Mm -hmm. So I, I mean, I kind of know, but I don't know like everything about their lives. I'm not like super into that sort of murder, you know, serial killer type stuff. Uh, but <laughs> the thing about Jeffrey Dahmer that I think that is obviously the sensational part of it is that he ate his victims um, or a portion of them. He tried to keep, you know, he kept mm -hmm. their skulls. So it's like a really horrific serial killer. It's not just someone who just like killed a whole bunch of people. Yeah. Like it's insane. But the controversy is, you know, do we need another serial killer, you know, movie or another telling of their life like are we you know uh romanticizing or glamorizing them um you know it's they're they were a horrible person um but do we have to like go through all of that again do we have to victimize the families of the victims um and it, those are all valid i think points um i i tend to think that no we don't really need another jeffrey Dahmer anything um, I know why people are interested in it, but it's not something that's like required. Like as far as pop culture, we don't really need to see any additional things about serial killers. However, this series sort of tells more about the lives of the victims and of the families, um, and especially about 
you know, the real hero of the situation is Niecy Nash's character, who's, whose name is Glenda Cleveland. So for those aren't who aren't really familiar with Jeffrey Dahmer's, you know, life and the horror of it, um, at one point, he gets someone, a young man, a 14-year-old boy, actually, to come to his apartment that was in a a, a predominantly all-Black neighborhood. Um, and so his neighbors had been complaining about the smell, about, mm-hmm. you know, activities going on. Well, this particular young person was drugged um, and had a hole drilled into his head and had like battery acid or some sort of drug you know, put into his brain to create a zombie. Um, gross, horrific details. Like, I don't really want to go more into it. But he escaped. He got out of Jeffrey Dahmer's apartment, got into the street where um, the daughter and niece of Miss Glenda Cleveland saw him. Uh, Glenda Cleveland called the police. And now this is the part that's really, really sad and, and horrific. The police show up, um, see this young man, Uh, Jeffrey Dahmer comes along and says, hey, this is my boyfriend. He's just drunk. Mind you, he's naked, bloody, and can barely speak. They allow Jeffrey Dahmer to to take this boy back into his apartment where he kills him. Um, Glenda Cleveland is persistent. She's calling the cops, checking on him, saying, like, how could you do that? He was a young boy. He wasn't uh, an adult. You let him go with this guy. And just like, you know, she could see the situation for what what it was. Eventually, she sees in the paper that the boy's missing. She's like, you need to go look into this. They ignore her. They ignore her. So it speaks to, um, you know, the 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 privilege of a white person being in a really sketchy ass situation and cops believing him um it speaks to how you know people of color specifically black people are often ignored by the police officers or by police um and how you know they just turn their backs on this this yes. young kid who was also a person of color he was asian and there was a a bit of like homophobia in it because part of the reason that they didn't really want to get in it it involved in the situation is because Jeffrey Dahmer was like, Oh, this is, you know, my boyfriend, we're gay. This is like what we do. You know, I handcuffed him because of some gay stuff and the cops were like, whatever, just take him. (laughs) So right now, a lot of people online are discussing, you know, the political aspect of it, like the horrific, you know, uh, fact that the police could have prevented a lot more people from dying, a lot of black, you know, young men from dying because here they had a victim that they could have saved. They they turned their back on him. They allowed Jeffrey Dahmer to kill him and then didn't investigate him. They went, you know, apparently they went into his apartment, could smell like the death, but didn't identify it as something that was worth pursuing more. Um, and so it it the the good thing about this retelling of the story is that they do focus on the impact of these murders have on the families of the victims on the lives of the victims they they go into more depth into one particular young man and they t- you know they show his life and what his dreams and what his aspirations were and how it was all cut short by his running into this monster um and it also goes into the the trauma that Glenda Cleveland faced because she saw this happening and and then was later confronted with the truth that yes that guy was murdered that young boy was murdered right. she had to 
have that on her conscience yeah. that yeah. you know she she did her best and no one can fault her for that but you know could she have done more and how how traumatic that was for her um she is now deceased she she i think she died of a heart attack or to something to that effect but um that's what kind of the show got right i think is that they focus on the victims and the family and they sort of show uh what it what how they were impacted however part of the things that people are really upset about is that the families of the victims are saying we don't want another story about jeffrey dahmer they're not getting paid so they're getting re-victimized and not benefiting from this popular show that's now out so it, it's it creates a question of like when something horrific like this happens who has the right to tell the stories of these victims and make a profit off of it because this isn't a news story this is like a dramatization of what happened and um netflix is going to make money off of it ryan murphy is going to make money off of it um and yet again the families of this victim of these victims are are traumatized again um mm-hmm. you know, i doubt they're watching it but they have to see it in pop culture again and um they're not getting money not that the money would make a difference but you know someone is profiting off of profiting off of their their loss pain and suffering and yeah their pain and suffering so um it's 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 the acting is really good you know evan peters does an amazing job of you know being jeffrey dahmer but it's kind of like one of those things that you know a lot of people are regretting having watched it um due to the you know horrific nature of what happened um and a lot of people are not watching it it is very popular and of course there are the people that are drawn to that kind of stuff yeah that are are like fans of the serial mm-hmm. killer which is just really gross uh you know i would sort of present that to you and to our audience of you know what are your thoughts of the stories of serial killers being told like or is, is there you know are we going to do a, a john wayne gacy movie now or or are we going to see an, another retelling of um, some other serial killer. Netflix has announced that they're releasing the Jeffrey Dahmer tapes, which are like interviews with him. So they're like going even further into into this realm. Um, and so, w- what are your thoughts? I mean, I know that you haven't watched it. Have you specifically not watched it because you don't want to spend time with that topic matter? Or yeah, that well, I mean, so they they did uh i think it was last year or a year before the ted bundy tapes right so they and they made the movie with zach efron as ted bundy and i i watched that one because i wasn't really familiar with that case of ted bundy at all and it was you know it was what it was but um the jeffrey dahmer case i remember when it first played out i think it was in what 91 92 that around that time frame and it, I remember hearing about it through the news and everything. And I was just disgusted by the whole concept of eating it, your victims and whatnot. I mean, but I don't really want to relive that. And that's me from being an outsider, completely removed from the story. I can imagine what those people, families of those victims must be going through to have to see their loved one's story now being again in the spotlight. Mm-hmm. So I've made the decision not to watch it just based on that. And based on what you said, glamorizing um, serial killers, they, they, a lot of reasons serial killers do what they do. One, they're 
screwed up in the head, obviously, they're perverse, but they want to get their notoriety, right? So why continue to um, every 30 years or so bring them back up? Why not just let them float off into the ether and let them float away so we don't have to remember their existence? I know it's like if you don't know history, you're doomed to repeat it. But I think this is one history we can just let go. And and maybe if people seek it out, they can find that, you know, it's there. People, like you said, who enjoy this sort of macabre storytelling, not even storytelling, but just macabre recounting of the events. They can find it if they want to. I think it's something um, Netflix must know what they're doing because they've done it multiple times with these type of stories. So they must see that the market for it is there and people want to watch it. And people like me who don't will just won't watch it, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. And I I think that this isn't the last that we're going to see in within pop culture of this show. I think that if, you know, I kind of predict that Evan Peters and Nisi Nash are probably going to get for sure nominated for an Emmy. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Nisi Nash will probably win. Evan Peters, I think, has a really great chance of winning. They did a really great job with their acting. And I, I don't, as, as an actor, I don't, you know, as, as they are actors, I don't fault them for taking a role. That's yeah, no, neither do I, yeah. And, you know, they did their job. Um, so, you know, we can applaud them for doing a really great job with, with their work. Uh, but, you know, is this going to motivate other filmmakers, other creators in going down that route and making more movies? You know, certainly they thought they were being more responsible with the retelling of this story. Uh, but uh, in American Horror Story Hotel, Ryan Murphy had serial killers in that movie mm-hmm. or that show. And he had Richard Ramirez in it. And. I, I almost question if the re, like if he went down the resp- responsible route or a little bit more responsible route with Jeffrey Dahmer is because of the way he made Richard Ramirez look like a rock star in American Horror Story. Like they literally made him look cool, like he was attractive. If you have seen Richard Ramirez, he's probably the most horrific, ugly person I've ever <laughs> seen. Like, he looks like a demon. Like he's looks. The way his outside matches the inside, let's put it that way. So, and and they definitely went out of their way to not make him look like that. So, um, and I think that he actually appears in another American Horror Story, um, the one that was like the 80s um, camp thing. And I stopped watching it because I thought, you know, that serial killer was real and he had real victims, you know. And people that are still alive that remember being fearful, like locking, sleeping in with their locked windows mm-hmm. and locked doors mm-hmm. and being really terrified about, you know, possibly being a victim of, of this horrible man. And um, I, I don't know, like it just if you want to have that horror, that scary, like make another Nightmare on Elm Street, make another Jason movie. You know, those victims aren't real. You know, we could argue about how, you know, that's kind of maybe that's a thick and perverse that we even like those type of movies, um, which would probably be a conversation for another day. But those are movies aren't hurting real people. They're not yeah. re-victimizing people again that that have to live with the repercussions of of uh you know the actions of these crazy people um so you know that's where or i kind of stand i watched it there were definitely moments that were really gross were hard to get through um i wanted to see it through because i knew it was going to be a hot topic that mm-hmm. people were going to be discussing it and i wanted to see how how they were going to handle 
the whole situation. They did better, but I don't think they did as good as they could have. Um, I think that that one of the things they could have done is, you know, paid these families and yeah. involved them and and shown more of the life that those people, you know, their victims had and um, how it was cut short and, and how it, it impacted them and, and focus on, on them. You know, I know that people don't really want to because that's not the, you know, the quote entertaining part. Mm -hmm. um is is seeing the victims but um you know maybe we don't need to be entertained by this this type of stuff so um, let me ask you this let me ask you this so if it was you said they're releasing the jeffrey dahmer tapes right so that's gonna be more documentary style so i know there's probably been documentaries about him made before but had this version been told more like a documentary and not a dramatization would that have um made a difference in the way you view it because I think, the, you know, for me, maybe as a documentary, I would have been more, um, not sympathetic, but more inclined to watch it because it is just telling of the truth. If this is what happened. They're documenting <laughs> what the facts, right? As opposed to reenacting or dramatizing it. Yeah. Well, and I, I think that it's important for people to remember that when you see a dramatization, there are choices that are being made to make you feel Mm-hmm. a certain way you know mm-hmm. whether it's sympathetic to the serial killer or sympathetic to the victim right they're they're adding or they're withholding things from the story they're changing things in the plot they're presenting it to you in a way that they want you to see things so it's not it's not fact documentaries are are the same in the sense that they are documenting sort of the truth but they're withholding certain things yeah that's true they're mm-hmm. adding certain things so nothing is ever truly 100 percent accurate yeah. in the full picture right um I think that if it was just a documentary with videos, with tapes, that it it would have a popularity, you know, with those people that are into that type of stuff, the serial killer fanatics, but it wouldn't have the reach that it's having right now. Yeah. Um, Ryan Murphy's an incredibly popular creator. Evan Peters is like a really popular, you know, young actor. So it's bringing an audience to this genre or this subject matter that probably doesn't spend a lot of time looking into serial killers. And I think that's why people are having such a strong reaction to this movie or this series, because they're not used to talking about serial killers. They're not used to seeing what they do because they they just watch pop culture. You know, they're not the hardcore people that watch and listen to serial killers, read the books and all of that stuff. So um, that's the thing that's kind of dangerous, I think, is casting really popular actors, depicting a real life event, but fictionalizing it and and making it, uh, you know, a Hollywood creation. And then the audience takes st- stepping back from it and, and accepting it as reality and fact. Yeah. Um, a lot of things have been changed. And, you know, they they hint at to, you know, maybe what Jeffrey Dahmer was motivated, motivated by or, you know, maybe that he had second thoughts about killing someone. And I'm sure they maybe have done research with his interviews, but we don't know if that's accurate. You know, was he trying to play on up on the sympathies of people interviewing him? And um, are you making someone sympathetic that that is not deserving of any sympathy? Mm-hmm. Um, so it, 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 it's very interesting, the whole topic. You know, I, you know, maybe one day we can get, you know, a, a psychiatrist or so, some expert <laughs> in the field that would say, you know, why as human beings are we interested in this type of horrific stuff? Like what 
enter, what is entertaining for us or mm-hmm. you know what, what titillates us about these things is it is it like a horror movie like you your heart gets racing so that's fun it's the adrenaline or do we have a really sick fascination with these sick yeah, individuals yeah. Um, and so, uh, you know, that's definitely a topic that I think would be interesting, even though it's not mm-hmm. our genre of a podcast, but it is an interesting one um, to see why people are so drawn to this type of subject matter. Yeah, definitely. The what My last final thoughts on that were, are Evan Peters as an actor. I hope that this doesn't like mess him up at all, because I think like back to Heath Ledger when he played the Joker and, mm-hmm. and that was a fictional character. And how that really being inside the mind of that sort of criminally insane person or character really messed him up, right? Which led to ultimately to his um, his final act, I guess you'll say. And so I'm hoping that Evan Peters is able to compartmentalize that a little bit more so yeah. it doesn't affect him as much. And- yeah, I'm, I'm curious about that because, one, I don't know if it did impact Heath that way, or if he was already battling personal demons to begin with. Um, Two, I am of the thought that actors are playing pretend and they're very good at it. Mm -hmm. And you can play pretend and not be psychologically. (laughs) Most of them. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I know that there are some individuals that are very, uh, method they really mm-hmm. get into the, the the psychology of their character and they mm-hmm. act like that person 24 hours a day um i think that's a bit extreme um I, if i were to be cast in something i think that i would go the route of like i'm playing pretend versus like don't call me I by am. my real yeah. name kind of a thing mm-hmm. um i i think that i don't know i think that it's a bit of um actors kind of overplaying the importance of of their talent or gifts like oh i get so involved in this character that it it really you know, impacts the way i, I view things and now like I, I think you're just playing pretend like you can uh-huh. just like little kids play pretend like cops and robbers and they don't you know it doesn't impact them um psychologically uh i don't know i'm not an actor i'm not like you know a method actor i don't know if that's valid i think there's a like a slight bit of like bs when it comes to people that are method actors like do whatever you got to do but uh it's it, i don't know it's just a yeah i hear you people that like joaquin phoenix mm-hmm. uh Lady Gaga is very method. She, you know, when she was filming uh, House of Gucci, she spoke an accent. She didn't refer to her by name. People had to refer to her by her character's name. She was very aggressive. She was, you know, almost crazy. And I I can respect it, but there are also a lot of actors that are very, um, you know, well-regarded and respected that aren't method that are like, yep, when the camera's rolling, I pretend to be someone else. Mm-hmm, stops, mm-hmm. I go home and play with my kids. So <laughs> who's to say like, which is better? But um, I, I think maybe I just think that my hope is that Evan Evan Peters is just a good actor. He yeah. plays pretend really well. Yeah. And he, you know, he, he knows that when he's eating, you know, a fictional piece of human, He's not really eating it. So hopefully that doesn't impact him um, psychologically. So uh, I don't know. Like, that'd be cool. If if maybe Evan 
can come on our, our show on our podcast yes, and, and talk about nice. that and, and see if he's uh <laughs> can leave it at, at you know at work, leave that character uh, and go on with his life. But I know a lot of people have expressed that sentiment that they're mm-hmm. concerned about his psychological being, but um I don't know. I don't I don't I here's another example of something that really irks me actually. There there are a lot of male actors, it tends to be male actors for some reason that they'll play a character in the military and or like let's say in law enforcement then mm-hmm. all of a sudden they have that personality outside um mm-hmm. so what's the star lord from star guardians of the galaxy uh chris pratt chris pratt's a good example he like makes a couple of military movies and all of a sudden he's like <laughs> he's gi joe and it's like <laughs> you know that you didn't actually serve in the military right? <laughs> you play pretend um another one is um uh magnum pi that actor tom Selleck. he -hmm. plays a a cop in blue bloods i think and now he's like super serious like you would think that he's an actual cop that he's you know been in law enforcement his whole life (laughs) it's like um dude you're you are in hollywood you're (laughs) 10 you're an actor but for some reason, like that, how ha- they they adopt that personality and they become very popular with like conservative politicians, and they become a, a part of that whole mm-hmm. you know vibe. Um, another one is John Wayne. Like, dude, you weren't a real cowboy, right? Right. You were an actor playing pretend. Right. Like, <laughs> get over yourself. Um. <laughs> yeah, so Sam Elliott has done that. Like, too was recently complaining about someone not being a real cowboy. And I'm like, you're not a yeah. real cowboy. What are you talking about? You're an actor. You're an, you live in Malibu. Like anyway. Well, I'll leave it with this. I'm so glad that Ryan Murphy decided not to make it a cooking show. Right. So. <laughs> he had so many dad jokes, like so many dad jokes for this. <laughs> That's what we're here for, Gen X, you know. <laughs> Bring in the good dad jokes to every topic. But. Well, while you were you're um, quenching your palate for on Dahmer, I was enjoying Andor, the new Star Wars story on Disney Plus, and I will get you to watch it one of these days. All right. It is a fantastic movie. They released. I spoke a little bit about it last episode, and I was excited for it to come out. Well, it finally did. They released the first three episodes of it on Disney Plus, and it's just a well-written character story. So even if you take away the whole Star Wars aspect of it, which really you don't really get that much of, other than you know it's set in that universe, you don't really get all stormtroopers and, you know, Star. There's a little bit, but not much. Yeah. But um, it's just a great, gritty Diego Luna plays the role perfectly. The one though that stole the show for me was the female character who played, I think her name was Bix or Bex. And that is Adria Aronja. And she Bix. And she is, she steals every scene she's in. She was just wonderful oh. to watch. Um, so go watch it for that. And for the score, the musical score that is accompanies the um the show throughout, they use the use the use of like a drum set like a rock and roll drum set in the middle to help build the suspense and the tension and it just works perfectly with it so go watch it i implore you to just give it a shot just try it you won't I, i'm looking at the cast and the fact that they have adria and diego luna definitely makes me want to see it 
Um, Stellan Skarsgård is actually another of one of my favorite actors. Mm-hmm. Um, so I will I will try to watch it. Yes. Um, <laughs> not making any promises because I have started watching a really trashy reality show that I haven't seen yet. So I'm probably going to be watching that for the next couple nights. But uh, I'm, I'm glad that we finally have Latinos in space. Yeah. That's good. It's really cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, speaking about Latinos in space or, I mean, drama related to Latinos, um, Cardi B is the last couple of days has has been in uh, a, the shitstorm on Twitter. Um, she's been feuding with someone. I don't know who this other person is, but um, the good news to come out of it is that she did a collab with um, a, a rapper, a female rapper by the name of, I think her name is Glorilla. I don't know if I'm saying that right. I've never heard of her before. Um, and they have a song called Tomorrow 2, which is a really, really dope song. The The other female rapper on it has a really interesting voice. It's very deep. So it, you almost, at first listen, I thought it was actually a, a male rapper. Mm. Uh, it, it's very... Uh, kind of i wouldn't say hardcore but like it's it's not pop rap um and cardi definitely comes for her haters on on this on her little cameo that she does and it's it's a really good song um i i really like it i'm a fan of cardi b like she has a lot of haters and um uh, i don't know why so but uh it's a really great song like i think they're already up to like eight million views within two days on youtube for their video wow uh, it's really entertaining um, Cardi B is Afro-Latina. I think she is half Dominican. Um, so I definitely give her props for breaking records, um, being a successful mm-hmm. rap, uh, you know, female artist in that that genre is is difficult. You know, we all know that yeah. it's a difficult industry um, to, to maintain and stay on the top. So props to her for having another hit song. Um, I think that just in the next few days, I think it's going to uh, debut in Billboard within like the top 10. Um, so it's it's going to be on the radio for sure. Yeah, and and Cardi B, I mean, I know that her who she is, even though I'm not a fan of the music or her style, yeah. but she's made it so that even if you don't know her music, you know who she is, which is cool. That's really cool. Yeah, she's very petty, which I I I admire. <laughs> it, it speaks to my own nature. Uh, she, I mean, she goes for the jugular. Uh, I think that within this argument with this other person that I don't know, this other woman, uh, this person brought up Cardi B's sister and she's like, I told like, you know, don't don't come for my sister. She's like, go dig your dead mom out of her grave. So I'm like, wow, like that's that's a good comeback like that that come back to like i would you know because when you're when you're beefing with someone or you're fighting with someone you have to go for the jugular like there's no Mm. punches um you know anyone out there that's you know wants to fight with someone you there's no playing fair it is what it is it's like a street fight so if you want to you know, what's uh what's the the French with the swords? Um the fencing with the foil fence, and an yeah, <laughs> fence, but otherwise there are no rules. So um I love her for that. I, I love that she like no holds barred, she'll say it like it is, like whatever she thinks, it comes out. Um she's very protective of her family and of her her uh, partner offset. So um, I, I I love her. I'm a fan of hers. Um, I definitely uh, rock with all her music too. So I'm de- that's what I'm listening to right at this moment, which kind of falls in line with our, mm-hmm. you know, 
Hispanic Heritage Month. Um, I think that, uh, you know, sometimes with like Afro Latinos, they don't get a spotlight put on them as far as Latino, because, you know, in America, if like, it's like you're black or you're not, or like you're white or you're black, like, and, and them having a background within a Latin American country, but presenting as black, sometimes it gets like lost in the mix. Yeah. Um, so I'm very glad that she represents those, that her, her roots and her background in that way. Yeah, definitely. And I'm glad you brought up the music, Latino music, because I have been listening to a lot recently and mainly um, to more it's more my style, which is like the rock and espanol. So a lot of mana, uh, Gaifanes, Soda Stereo, um, La Ley, which is a cool Chilean band. And um, I right before we came on to this episode, <clears throat> excuse me, I was browsing Netflix and they have actually have a documentary on there called break it all the history of rock in latin america oh nice and, and i haven't seen it yet because i just barely saw it. it's like a limited series on there so i'm gonna go watch that after this after we're done here because it's it's really when i saw it it spoke to all the bands that i just mentioned and it's like oh cool i should watch this how come i didn't know about this yeah. so it's it's that's from like the what late 80s early 90s mid 90s for when the rock and espanol explosion really happened yeah. and um I've more recently for more um, modern music, I guess you could say, I've been listening to uh, some Bad Bunny, Carol G, J Balvin. I didn't really know much about them. So it was interesting. I really like the, um, I really prefer J Balvin over Bad Bunny. I don't know if they're rivals, but I really liked his music and his, his, the beats behind his um, vocals a lot more. And that's just that's just my preference. I mean, I was also listening to Camila Cabello and like her song Havana, which is po- hugely popular a few years ago. And um, she's a Cuban uh, born, and it's 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 really cool. I really like enjoy the beats of that. So I might not know everything that they're saying because Spanish, my Spanish is eh, kind of iffy, but the music really just spoke to me. And if if that if the music itself can get to me, then the vocals and the lyrics I'll learn. But if the music it go is what I hear first. Yeah. Um, one of the my go-to, if you want to call it like Latino bands, um, even though I I wouldn't necessarily put them in that category, but they are who they are, is a band called Girl in a Coma. Uh, mm-hmm. they're a, a trio, they're mm-hmm. from Texas. Um uh, they don't like putting a label as like a lesbian or Latino or, you know, female led, like they're just a band, which I respect, but um, they are Latina. I've actually seen them play in concert um, here in San Diego at the Casbah. Um, they really impressed me. Their lead singer, uh, Nina Diaz is, is like really cool front woman. Uh, they sing in Spanish. I think occasionally they do sing in in Spanish. Um, they were uh, signed to Joan Jett's uh, label. I think they were oh. one of the first bands to sign to her label. I think they might not be on it anymore, uh, but they have released uh, an album with her. Um, and they're just like a cool rock band, like a cool like punk rock band. Uh, lyrics are really cool. Like nothing like super sophisticated when it comes to like their musicality but it's just like a cool garage rock band Uh, and it's fun to listen to it it i think it it, they kind of speak to that intersection of like 
Latinidad and American is, you know, American uh, culture and like how us who are born in America and have American culture, but still have those influences yeah. of like our grandparents and our great grandparents. Um, and so it's, it's never going to be gone because it's, we hear it. It's like in our world growing up, it's, it's impossible to escape. Um, but they're, they're very much like that. And, and one of their influences they say is Selena and Selena was very much that too, like mm -hmm. grew up in America, in Texas, mm -hmm. but was influenced, you know, and could hear, but didn't speak Spanish. Um, I don't think Nina Diaz speaks fluent Spanish as well. Um, so, you know, I relate to that being a person who does not speak fluently in Spanish. Um, and uh, they're just like a really cool band. I don't know. I definitely nice. recommend people checking them out. Um, other bands that I really love that are actually seeing in Spanish would be Los Fabulosos Cadillacs from Argentina. Um, they're probably one of the first bands I saw live. Um, really good live band, amazing live band, actually. Um, and uh, I really love Bad Bunny right now. He just played mm -hmm. in San Diego a few weeks ago and yeah. sold out. And I, everyone loves him, like, like maybe <laughs> with the exception of you. <laughs> no, <but> I... <laughs> I don't not dislike him. I I just prefer the other one. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so he he's definitely someone that I listen to a lot um, when I, I'm listening to uh, music at night before I go to bed. Um, he just he, he's a really cool sound. I appreciate his his sound and like his dedication to like just pumping music out like he's very mm -hmm. prolific in creating new music. Um, and so so, yeah, those are the people that I, I've been listening to lately. One you tweeted about that you didn't mention right now was the Mars Volta. Mm -hmm. And uh, they are quite the experience um, sonically. There's just the um, lead singer's voice and its range. And it's just quite amazing. And it's one I, that I had forgotten about till you mentioned it. And they are terrific. They really are. Yeah, they're, I mean, they're the kind of music that like I would, I, I don't think I'm being correct when i say that they're like a psychedelic band but they're they're kind of the kind of music that i like to put on and like experience if that makes sense like <laughs> yeah not have like anything else distracting me whereas like other artists i can put on and like do work or mm -hmm. watch you know play with my dog or whatever but mars volts is a type of band that like i want to be in like complete darkness and <laughs> like have my headphones on and like experience the music mm -hmm. um that that's the kind of sound that they have that it, it's just very layered it's very sophisticated um it does have like that hard rock um influence it also has a lot of latin rhythms that they put in there as well like salsa and uh it's just very interesting it's it's multi-layered music and um it's just fun to listen to it to, yeah. to like listen from beginning to end and like take that journey um to, yeah, to no, that's to, true um, yeah, mm -hmm. they're they're actually um, the two members of Mars. The Mars Volta were in a punk band called At the Drive-In. If you ever right. listened, yeah, I've heard of them. So that was like their. And I want to say that they're working on new music right now. I I think they were working with Kanye West of all people, uh, and they are making new music. I think so. Hopefully, something new coming out from them. Hopefully, really soon. Pretty cool. So one last person that when I was doing research for this episode for Latino excellence, especially when music, I stumbled across or happened across a gentleman by the name of his performing name is Karim Leon. Now he's a 
a modern take on like a Norteño music. He's from Hermosillo, Mexico. And his song that really stood out to me was released, I think, just like last week. It's called Si, wait, <laughs> si es Cierto Que Te Vas. And it is phenomenal. The gentleman's voice is very powerful. He has this powerful tenor voice. Think like, I think like, um, almost sound like a, remember the three tenors, like Pavarotti and them like that. So it's very strong, very powerful. Um, go listen to it and just let, don't get, be distracted by anything else and just listen to it. You might not like me, not, might not know all the lyrics, what they mean, but the, the meaning and the power and the emotion behind it, it's, it's, it's really telling. So it's really good. I went and listened to his, some of his discography, disc, discography discography <laughs> discography <laughs> and it is it is really good so i highly recommend him um he is someone i think that's going to make a a bigger stamp on the world and not just because of his regional mexican music which is what he likes but i think he's going to explode beyond that so yeah. check him out and yeah, that's all I got for for Latino excellence in music. I'm sure there's a lot more. So if any of you out there still have recommendations for us of who we should listen to or who we should, you know, happen upon, please leave a comment for us. Let us know. Um, we'll be happy to check them out. I love experiencing new music. It's one of my things that I, I love to do every night before I go to bed. I lie with my AirPods on and just listen to music for probably a good hour, just exploring all kinds, all genres. So send over your recommendations i'll be happy to listen to them and and yeah so that's all i got yeah and and if you are a musician or in mm -hmm. a band mm -hmm. hit us up we would love to be able to promote your music talk about your point of view um talk you know. with you yeah yeah and so uh hit us up if you're a musician i would love you know i know both of us would actually love to get to know you as an artist um and be able to share your your uh your work with with our audience as well. So I'm um, definitely hit us up. Um, I'm going to be checking out this recommendation by you, Danny, because Hermosillo Sonora is like where my people are from. So uh, <laughs> I definitely have to check them out. Uh, my mom's side of my family is, is from oh, Sonora. Right okay. um, I'll have to check it out. Um, so I'm going to go do that now. Uh, maybe watch some more trash reality TV for the night. And then, then I will check out Andor. <laughs> At the end of the day, when your mind is, you know, full of garbage. Go for it. <laughs> well, <laughs> sounds like a plan. Thank you everyone for stopping by this week for, for, for checking us out. If this is your first time, be sure to like and subscribe. Follow along our journey through pop culture, especially as we get into the spooky season. You know, uh, that's my favorite time of year. So um, when we entered into the fall, I was like, all right, get to be Halloween, you know, and all the things that come along with it. So I'm very excited for that and look forward for our future episodes where we get to maybe talk with some creators who create comic books in that genre. So I'm looking forward to that. So stay tuned, everyone, and we'll see you next time. Stay safe.